Welcome to Brackets, Bubbles, and Bid Stealers Season 4 Big East Conference Preview. Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. I am very much ready to talk about six conferences in the span of two days in a series of lengthy episodes where we will go into lots of detail. Yeah, I'm so ready for this. Last year, we didn't get to do full conference previews for each of the Power Six conferences. We will have guests on for the other five. We Mm -hmm. weren't able to secure guests for the Big East, but I think we can handle it. That's okay. You're a fan of a Big East team. We watch a ton of Big East basketball. It'll, It'll be okay. We love the Big East. It's one of the best conferences to watch every single year. It's super competitive top to bottom. One above bottom. Sorry. The vibes are the vibes are always great. Like around, yeah. It's like it, it just game is so is so competitive. Feels like a war. Yeah, and there's a lot of tradition within the conference. Um, a lot of programs filled with rich history, and just in general, like turning on Fox Tuesday night to watch Big East basketball is it's a feeling a lot of people can, can reminisce and remember. Yeah, and obviously last season, Marquette won the double Big East championship. They won the regular season title and the conference tournament title in the best conference tournament that sport has to offer at Madison Square Garden. Competitive every year. They fill up the place. It's the best arena in the world. It's truly remarkable. If you've never been to the Big East tournament, you have to go. Yeah, it, it is on my bucket list. I haven't been able to make it there yet, though. Yeah, and Tyler Kolek was player of the year. He is back mm-hmm. in the Big East um, with Marquette. Bryce Hopkins is back. Donovan Klingon is back. Plenty of talent. Joel Soriano is back. There's a ton of talent that returns to this conference, and there's also a ton of talent that comes into the conference. It's really gotten stronger over the offseason. Yeah, they. the conference has really done a good job taking sort of this, like, SEC approach of hiring these really high-profile good coaches that have worked out. Um, like, that's typically how it works in, in college athletics. You invest in a coach that's really good, your program reaps the benefits of it. And now with the portal, that ha- that can happen almost instantly. And I think that's something that the Big East has really shown over the last couple years. The Big East is the best coached conference in college basketball. That, and to that point, point there is zero debate there's dan hurley there's rick patino there's ed cooley there's um sean miller Thad mata these are guys that have that have been to final fours that have been successful in so obviously cooley's not been to a final four but mm-hmm. whatever the shock smart's been to a final four and he's probably like the sixth or seventh best coach in the conference mm-hmm. yeah that that's a that's a whole nother topic that I got into over the summer with some people. Yeah, we did um, break down our coach uh, Jonathan's coaching rankings a while ago, but let's go. To, let's go and break down each team in this mm-hmm. conference. Then we'll give you some more stuff about the conference as a whole. Spin the wheel, but just like we did last year. Are you pulling up the wheel? I am pulling up the wheel. All right. All 11 teams are listed on here.
And the first team that we will discuss on a Brackets, Bubbles, and Bitch Steelers. Ah, okay. Oh, here we go. It's Villanova. All Absolute right. banger this, to start. This is a great one to start with because we both love this Villanova team. Jonathan, they brought in TJ Bamba, Hakeem mm -hmm. Hart, Tyler Burton in the transfer portal, Lance Ware. This is, this is a stacked group, and they bring back Justin Moore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Villanova was not nearly as healthy as they would have liked for most of last season. Whitmore was hurt at the start of the year. They were missing Justin Moore, who was hurt in the Elite Eight game against Houston the year prior. They had some younger players that hadn't quite grown to the point they wanted, and their depth overall wasn't where a Villanova team usually is. I think a lot of people have written off Kyle Neptune. I wouldn't make that mistake if I were if I were you and you're questioning him. I think Kyle Neptune's a pretty fantastic coach. He learned under Jay Wright for years, coached at Fordham, and really had a fantastic year in the one year he was there. But like you mentioned, Justin Moore coming back, they brought in some really high-level transfers, specifically TJ Bomba from Washington State, Tyler Burton, who was an all A-10 player at Richmond, uh, and then Hakeem Hart, who is a, is a long wing at Maryland that does a lot of disruptive things. Eric Dixon's also back. And then the guy that I've been highlighting a lot over the summer is their potential starting point guard and Mark Armstrong, who was really good over the summer for the FIBA U19 team in that tournament. I think he's bound to take a pretty big leap. And listen, Justin Moore can handle the ball if they need him to. But if Mark Armstrong is as good as I think he's going to be, they can play Justin more off ball and play more to his strengths. Yeah, Mark Armstrong last season, 5.3 points per game, two rebounds, one assist, 40% from the field. He started seven games as a freshman. I think as a whole, we kind of expected him to have a bigger impact. Yeah, I, I would agree. He wasn't like a super highly rated guy, but again, like I liked the class last year as a whole. And I, I just really didn't envision like, Villanova, like relying on Arch Chris Argentiacano, um, if if they knew Mark Armstrong wasn't going to be what they needed him to. Yeah, and as a whole, though Armstrong can get to the basket. He's strong. He can handle the ball. He's a solid passer as well. I think mm -hmm. he's he's this. He's not one of the five most talented guys on this team. And no. among those five guys, there's a little bit of ball handling. So perhaps he's not in their best lineup, but Armstrong is going to find his way into a lot of lineups for this team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to continue, just, we, we mentioned a lot of names already, but like TJ Bamba was a guy that was like going through the NBA draft process last, last off season, or excuse me, this off season, uh, just a very bouncy wing that, is going to bring it on the offensive floor. He's tough to stop downhill. T Tyler Burton is... I want to I want to talk a little bit more in depth about Bamba here. Okay, go for it. I want to talk about a, I want to talk about all the players in, in depth. I mean... This, yeah, I mean, this, 90, team, this team is loaded. Like, we got 90 minutes here. We got plenty of time to talk about TJ Bamba as a guy that shot 40 that shot 40% on catch and shoots last year. And he can get to the rim really well. He can attack the basket and dunk. He's a high flyer. And he's also a great shooter. 
it's a, he's a wing. He's not a tr- he's not your typical ball handler. No, like, he's not. He's and he's going to attack the basket. And he's going to hit his threes. And his athleticism, it's an NBA athlete right there. It's something that Villanova didn't really have last year. They didn't really have NBA athleticism. And they brought some in this offseason with Mbamba. 15, he averaged 15 a game at a, 16 a game at a high major level on 37% from three. Mm-hmm. He can affect the game on both ends. He's got great length for his position. And I think that TJ Bamba can make a serious push for an all big East season. And honestly, there's all five of their star, their top five guys can be all big East. That's how talented this group is. Yeah. Their depth um, is a lot better this year than it was a, a, just a season ago. I mean, Jordan Longino, Lance Ware, uh, Brennan Housen, Trey Patterson. These were guys that were getting that, that were, not that we're getting a little bit more run last year than maybe they deserved. And now they don't need to get that much run because mm-hmm. they've brought in a starting five. That's up there with one of the best in the country. And they'll be able to use those role players as role players. They're, they're playable. They're all playable. And I think that that is what's going to make this Villanova team go. Yeah. And I also think that Eric Dixon is a really good fit on this team. They have, this season because as we know like Dixon's a versatile big offensively he, he can play in the low post but he also can has shown the ability to step out and hit threes and I think that Kyle Neptune can play Dixon as a, a small ball five the way Villanova has traditionally liked to do with him and their spacing will just be so unbelievable for Justin Moore and TJ Bamba and all these guys that can get to the rim yeah, I mean, Eric Dixon blossomed last year. This was not a guy that was shooting a ton of threes previously. From 0.9 threes per game to 3.3 threes attempted per game, and he shot 38%. He shot 50% from the field last year. Eric Dixon is physically strong as well, 6'8", 255. It's like, it's like a LeBron size, and obviously he's not that type of athlete. But mm-hmm. we saw he played the best defensive half on Adama Sanogo that anyone played in the first half of the season when Villanova traveled to uh, Hartford in December. That was impressive, the way that he was just denying the ball, super strong, able to keep him out of the lane. And Dixon can impact the game defensively with his strength. Obviously, he's not a vertic- He's not as much of a vertical defender. He's not a big rim protector, but he's a, he's a guy that can keep the ball out of the lane. Yeah, I just, like I said, I think it's really stupid to write off Kyle Neptune. I got some questions about still having him in my top 50. I think last year, and and you said this on our coach's show when we broke broke this list down, there was a reason last year why, like, people were saying Villanova could steal a bid. Like, we didn't think it was going to happen, but there was a reason people were saying it, and it was because it's still Villanova. They still have a ton of talent, and they have the culture. The culture was there, mm-hmm. and it's like just... Villanova, like yeah, sure, Kyle Neptune was at Fordham, but like Kyle Neptune's an in-house guy. Like he coached under Jay Wright for a very long time. He knows the program. He knows the expectations there, and I think he's going to have a great second season. 
we mentioned Hakeem Hart a little bit earlier. And again, this is a guy that was playing with some seriously great athletes at Maryland, uh, Julian Reese, Dante Scott, um, and those that that comprised a really, really impressive front court athletic athletically. And he comes to Villanova team that lacked that last year outside of really Whitmore. And who was on that ball for a long part of the season. Yeah. And Hakeem Hart, uh, uh, just you look at a team with Hakeem Hart, with TJ Bamba, with Eric Dixon, with Tyler Burton. There is an, there is an amount of athleticism on this roster and strength. These guys are not just, they're not just jumpers. They're not just explosive, but they're strong. Mm-hmm. They can keep guys out of the lane. They can guard on the perimeter. They slide. They do a lot of things that winning basketball teams do. This is a Villanova team that's going to compete at the very top of the Big East. Mm-hmm. And Justin Moore was a would have been like preseason Big East player of the year had he been healthy last year. Yeah. It's and now he's really night. It's really night and day with this team. Like Justin Moore was the second best player on a team that base that would have come pretty damn close to a national championship had he not gotten hurt. Yeah, I mean, and you can argue he was maybe their most important player. With it, with no, definitely. Gillespie was definitely their most important player. I think that's fair. I just think you. I think you can argue it with how much he brings on both sides of the floor. I mean, he's played 105 games of college basketball for Villanova. He played for Jay Wright for three years. He made a Final Four. This is a guy with strength, with poise, with postability as a guard. He can shoot the ball. He's a 35% shooter, and that's like the worst that they got here. This team, I've said it before, I'll say it again. They're going to surprise people because they don't realize how much talent there is. No, I think like... They're going to be in the top 25 to start the season, and I still think they're getting really disrespected. Yeah, I, I think they're they're a top 10 team to start this season. And I, I agree. I would be surprised. I would be very, very surprised if they, are, if they don't have a ton to say about who wins the Big East. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about Villanova? Um, no, I just think – I think you touched on it a little. Like, Longino – Archie Diacono, Lance Ware, Trey Patterson, even like those are guys that were kind of forced into obviously where was that? Where's the transfer? Where's the transfer? But like those other guys were kind of forced into these bigger roles last season that none of them were really ready for. And Mark Armstrong, I think, may have even been included in that. Yeah. But I, I think those guys being on their bench will be much more serviceable with the lesser roles that they'll have this year. And not to mention something that I saw uh, last week when Villanova had their scrimmage, their um, open practice, there was a bunch of hype um, saying that uh, Nyana and Joku looked really good. If they can have more depth pieces in that front court that can play the four, that can play the five. I mean, this is, this is a scary basketball team. Having that depth could make them scarier. Yeah, and the last thing I really wanted to touch on um, was I think you have six guys who maybe could be all Big East on this team. Who do you think – like, listen, they're going to – like, those six guys are all going to play a ton. Who do you think 
like gets left out of the starting lineup at the start of the year? Armstrong. Okay. I think I agree. More will handle. Which we already yeah, we know he can do that. So yeah, I mean he averaged he he's he's he averaged three assists a game last year. I mean he's he projected to leave it. them an assist on Dorbeck. So I think there's a lot of guys that can play make here. Hakeem Hart is uh, an underrated connective playmaker. Um, obviously, Bamba isn't much of that, but Dixon is not a black hole when he gets the basketball because mm-hmm. he'll face up, he'll he'll move the ball around, and he's mobile. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys that can pass. Um, we move forward to the next team that we're going to talk about here. Let's see who's it going to be. Oh, okay. we did a full St. John's preview with Thomas Cavanaugh last month. It was great. You should watch it. But Cliff Notes, and we'll give you we'll give you 10 minutes worth of Cliff Notes. Maybe less, maybe a little less than that. But what do you think of St. John's? Just first thing that comes to mind. I don't know how many coaches there are in the country that – I would trust more getting a roster full of transfers to connect and play together from the get-go than Rick Pitino. One of the premier coaches in college basketball getting another shot at the high major level with a program that is in a big market that has been kind of a sleeping giant for as long as I can really remember. And, you know, not all the names on here are going to be complete standouts to uh to everyone but the the pieces he brought in and then keeping Joel Soriano really impresses me. I think that Jordan Dingle is one of the best scorers in the country, period, not just at the mid-major level where he was at Penn last year. I think that bringing in a piece like Chris Ledlam late in late in the portal kind of cycle. Um after Tennessee Kind of realized they didn't have a spot for him after Ludlam maybe realized he didn't have a spot that he wanted at, te- at a Tennessee. I thought that was a really smart, smart move. I think this team's going to have a lot of options um, when it comes to scoring, and I think they have some pretty decent depth as well. Yeah, Danis Jenkins has been the straw that stirs the drink in practices for St. John's, and it allows Jordan Dingle to play off the ball, and Jordan Dingle is sh- – straight up one of the best shooters in college basketball maybe not even in college basketball but in the world last year on guarded catch and shoots he shot 39 percent from deep this is a guy that you give him any inch of space he's going to make you pay he's athletic too he can he can get up there and throw down dunks he can burst past you get to the rim jordan dingle has so many ways to beat you we saw it in the ivy league we're gonna see it in the big east he's probably a guy that I could see making an all Big East team. And Jenkins probably won't have the most gaudy stats. I mean, he'll probably average somewhere in the neighborhood of like nine, four, and four mm-hmm. for this team because they have scoring options. Maybe, maybe like 11, four, and four because they'll have Soriano and Dingle as the top two scoring options. And Ledlam can score, and RJ Luis can score when he gets back from injury. Yeah. Nahi Moline, I mean, that's a national champion that he that Patino brings in that we know can really shoot the ball. He can create his own shot as well a little bit. 
um, side dribbles. He can he can catch and shoot. He yeah. can score in the mid range. Aline can do a lot of things for your offense. And just this is a team with so many talented pieces that I find a I find it hard to think that it won't work out. Yeah, I think even if they do get off to a slow start because of all the new pieces, like I find it hard to believe that Rick won't figure it out fairly quickly, what he has with this team. I think they're an NCAA tournament team. I think there should be legit expectations. And I think it also just says a lot when with what he did with the roster, bringing back the one guy, right, in Joel Soriano, um, who he was very adamant about wanting to the bring captain. him back. He's the captain right of the team. On his introductory press conference, Rick Pitino said, Joel Soriano is the captain of my basketball team. Yeah, I think he t- that tells you a lot about the leadership they have, the culture that they're going to establish. And, I mean, it's not like Joel Soriano is just like this veteran like leader either. Like he was all biggie second team last year. He took yeah, and- a pretty massive jump. And I think Rick has done a pretty damn good job building a roster around him that allows Soriano to still put up similar numbers to what he did the last season. And you look at St. John's and last season, they could not <laughs> shoot the basketball. They finished a seventh and three point percentage, eighth and two point percentage, 10th and free throw percentage in the big East. They weren't attempting threes this year. Jordan Dingle is one of the best shooters in the country. Danis Jenkins is like a 36, 37% three point shooter. Um, RJ Luis can hit threes from the outside. Sean Conway is a 40% three-point shooter. Nahima Lean is a 40% three-point shooter. There is going to be so much shooting on this roster. Joel Soriano is going to have so much freedom in the low post to just power guys down, and he is one of the most powerful dudes in the country. Mm-hmm. I also just – like, I think Rick – has done a pretty good job so far as well when it comes to like establishing that like St. John's is a player in that region again. Like Ledlam's a new a New York guy. Simeon Wilcher is from the area. I think he's from Brooklyn. I'm not Wilcher? He's from oh, no, he's from New Jersey, right? But um I mean yeah, Joel Soriano is a New York guy. Um and like I know this isn't a recruiting podcast, but like Rick is be. like targeting a lot of these like Northeast kids. Land was a big thing for him, but obviously he's not going there. Um, yeah. They, but he's also recruiting out in California. Brady Dunlap um, is is uh, is going to go to St. John. Is going to be on this St. John's team, and he's he can recruit anywhere. He yeah. really can. He can recruit in Nigeria. He can recruit. I mean, he's had some super talented players from Africa. He's had some super talented players from every state in the country. He's had Canadians. He's had Europeans. He's he's gone everywhere, and he's won basketball games with people from anywhere. Yeah. And Rick Pitino, he's one of the great coaches in the history of not just college basketball, but college athletics. Because mm-hmm. he's won 
Boston University, Providence, Louisville, sorry, Kentucky, Louisville, Iona. He's won everywhere he's gone. Yeah. Even when he was coaching in Greece, he won. Yeah. He like, won in Greece. What, what What about that changes now? Yeah. I mean, he said, he said something like, if we don't win the national championship, I'll drown myself in the East River. Yeah. That, like, Obviously, he's exaggerating, but that's how good he thinks this team can be. Yeah. And I don't – like, I would be surprised if they won the national championship, but, like, it's not out of the question. No, it's not. And, like, I mean – I mean, UConn – I forget, where, I forget where I have this team. We in think my this team, John's team is better than we thought the UConn team was before last season, and this is a better coach as well. Yeah. I mean, I think I have – I have St. John's ranked in like a pretty similar spot to what I had UConn last year in the free Now, season. that's like it's not gonna it's probably not gonna happen. But no, St. John's but like, is gonna if, But if this gonna, team finishes like second in the Big East, I wouldn't be very surprised. And that's the thing, but if they finish fifth or sixth, that's how good the Big East is. Yeah. They, they'll still get a six or seven seed. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a five seed. I, I think I expect this team to come in around a five seed or a six seed. Yeah. And be really dangerous because this is such a talented roster. Mm-hmm. And I also want to give some shout outs to my Mac, to my Mac guys, Cruz Davis, Sadiku Ibinayo. I mentioned DJ, but um going to talk about Cruz and Sadiku. Those are guys that are uh, more future projects, but I like both of them. Um, yeah. That's St. John's super exciting program right now. And they're going to play at MSG so much. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna go when they play Duke at Arthur Ashe. What'd you say? They're gonna play Duke at Arthur Ashe soon. I saw that. Did we get you on The wheel really knows what it's doing. The reigning national champs. The reigning national champions who might finish fourth in the conference. Yeah. And that's not and and, and it still wouldn't be a disappointing season. I mean Last season, the reigning national champions finished, I think, sixth in their own conference. Uh, <laughs> UNC won the national championship, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, wait, they, no, they didn't. Yeah, so UConn loses Andre Jackson, Adama Sonogo, and Jordan Hawkins, the three top players from the national championship team. Yeah, Unde- pretty undoubtedly. Yes, but... It doesn't really matter because we, because all three of those guys were development projects. You watch them as freshmen, you watch, and then you watch them in that national championship run. It was a different beast. Jordan Hawkins went from kind of a shyer shooter to a guy who's just letting it fly and hitting from everywhere, um, flying over the court defensively. Andre Jackson, they he was out of control, bad at times, and they turned him into out-of-control good. Mm-hmm. Adonis Sonogo, oh my god, like, what? Like, it's a different human being. He was literally just going to back you down his freshman year and try a hook shot. He turned into one of the most diverse big men in the country in terms of what he can bring you. He could pass. He could score in the high post, the low post. He could shoot three. And that's all credit to this development staff. So 
I'm scared of what Donovan Klingon is going to look like this year. What Alex Caravan is going to look like this year. Those dudes were major, major contributors on a national championship team as freshmen. Mm-hmm. What was what was your tweet? The Someone tweeted like Adama Sanogo is going to shoot threes this year and you quoted it and said schedule the parade. Schedule the parade. Schedule the parade. Yeah. Because I, I, I said this was something that I said his freshman year. Like, literally, if he ever develops even a 15-foot jump shot, we are going to win the title. <laughs> I don't think I, – I don't know if I have any evidence of that. But, like, I said that. I, I think Donovan Klingon is going to be one of the more absurd college basketball players that we've seen in recent memory. You, you know what I call him, right? What do you call him? Camp counselor. Camp counselor? That's what he looks like out there. He's a camp counselor. He's just toying with the kids. Mm-hmm. He is a legit seven foot two with like, movement skills. When he, he was on mirror the- anybody, he throws his hands up. No one can score over him. And he's sliding with these guys from the free throw line down. Last year in 32% of the minutes, he had a block percentage of 14.4. And that honestly feels low. Yeah. Um, he, he, averaged, he averaged 7-6-2 and two in 13 minutes per game. Mm-hmm. 13 minutes per game. Like, we talk about how great Sonogo was. His <gasps> on-off splits were horrible because Klingon was the mm-hmm. – Klingon was on a permanent basis better. Now, now you take – an off season to get him in better shape so he can play the type of minutes that Adama was playing, and you're going to have maybe the best player in college basketball. His I thought that Donovan Klingon would be too slow. It's he's not like it's he was from the moment he stepped on the floor, he was the center of attention. I remember I can't remember when I first like noticed him last season but like i remember watching him for the first time and it was just like i cannot believe what i'm watching right now he had 51 dunks last year mm -hmm. 51 dunks and he was playing 13 minutes a game yeah he had 51 dunks he shot 69 percent at the rim like he he's just going to and do you know what do you know what do do you know what Opponents shot against him at the rim, forty-two percent. Jesus, that is a twenty-seven percent differential. That means if you are shooting a shot at the basket, which is the easiest shot in basketball, and it's not a small sample size, from very close range, there is a and Donovan Klingon is guarding you. There is a less than one out of two chance that you make it. And there was only like a two percent foul rate on those attempts too. He was great at staying out of foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Even like, yes, he did average two fouls in for 13 minutes, but like a lot of times he was good at staying out of foul trouble. The fouls were a lot of times not on things in the low post. Yeah. And he, they're trying to get him to shoot. But like, to, for this team to win a national championship again, I don't think they need to get him to shoot. 
I know, but that's not that's not the point. Now I remember last year we all were saying I don't th- we don't think Zach Eady can play thirty minutes a game, and Matt Painter got him ready to play thirty yeah. minutes a game, and he was the best player in the country. It really is amazing how much better shape guys can get in. And in one off season. I'm not I'm not making that same mistake with Donovan Klingon. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an All American first second teamer, yeah. without a doubt. Mm. Now we have to talk about the other guys on this team. Tristan Newton with a national championship winning point guard. He mm-hmm. had two triple doubles last year. He can shoot from the parking lot. He's attacking the basket. He can command a game. And people thought he sucked for some reason. Do you remember um last year in the preseason when there was some like buzz that he was like really struggling in practice? Yeah. Do you remember what I texted you? What what did you say? It was maybe one of my worst takes ever. And it wasn't really a take. It was more just like an idea. I texted you and said something along the lines of someone has to be Jalen Llewellyn. Or sorry, no, not Jalen Llewellyn. Who was the point guard from Michigan the year before? From Coastal Carolina. Oh, Devontae Jones. Someone has to be Devontae Jones. That's what I texted you. And and I, I remember I, I saw that I saw that tweet and I was like, this is a... This is not an indictment on Newton. It's saying Hassan Diara is that guy. Yeah. Hassan Diara is still that guy. He's one of the best defenders in the country. Yeah, that dude defends his ass off. <laughs> he does absolutely nothing on offense. No. He he might he might be like the biggest net zero offensive player in the conference. Yeah. But who cares? That dude is a menace defensively. Um <laughs> Caravan, I mean, could he handled Bryce Hopkins defensively? Like he can play above his size. Um, and he's one of the best shooters in college basketball. Cam Spencer is another one of the best shooters in college basketball. Defends his ass off at Rutgers. He's gonna defend again at UConn. They're gonna play yeah. faster, obviously. So and yeah, and it's I mean that's then one Samson of the Johnson's a that's freak one of the best shooters in the country. So then Samson Johnson's a freak athlete who didn't play at all last year because he was hurt. Like he played. The first game of the season, and then like in garbage time later in the season, because they didn't need him. But this is a guy who was like a top seventy recruit, freak athlete, super strong. Um, and then there's the recruiting class. Yeah, Stefan Castle is a is a legit creator of offense, on ball, off ball, huge for a point guard, six six, six yeah. seven. Um, can shoot, can get to the basket. Jaden Ross is a phenomenal athlete. Um, Solomon Ball can shoot really well. Jalen Stewart brings a lot to the table. Yusuf Sangare, he's probably going to not redshirt, but like not play very much. <laughs> um, but he can, he can, he's a great two-way big. This is such a talented team with such a great coach that and Hurley's just taking such an interesting approach to like how he builds a roster because he's really, it feels like prioritized being really big at two positions, point guard and center. And it's just interesting because if you can make that work and like, it's obviously hard to find a lot of guys. And then you find shooters and playmakers around that. It's a lot. Yeah. It's like, it's obviously more challenging than he's making it to, 
go find a six five six six guy every year that can handle the ball and do the things that Tristan Newton and Stephon Castle do. And I mean, but, there's no there's no replacement for Jordan Hawkins. Even if Spencer shot a higher percentage, it's not the same movement shooting. Yeah, no. Jordan he, Hawkins, he, Jordan Hawkins yeah. is a special special player. Cam is, and this is nothing against Cam, who's a really good player in his own right, but. He is not as quick as Hawkins is. His release is not as quick as Hawkins. Like, he will not be able to do some of the things that Jordan Hawkins did. Yeah, no, but who cares? He's still an elite shooter, and that's right. really what UConn needed. All right, we got to move on. Three down, eight to go. Tony Stubblefield, Tony Stubblefield, Tony Stubblefield. Oh, okay. Dude. Okay, we both are a little lower on the reigning Big East champions. Yeah. But this is a talented roster. It's a super No, no no doubt. Like it bas- they basically return all but one from last year's team. Okay, here's the thing with Marquette. Yeah, I'm like lower on them in the fact that like I'm not picking them to win the Big East in the preseason, but one, they still can win the Big East, no doubt. And second of all, I still think they have a really high floor. Yeah, I mean, they they hit their 100th percentile last year. There's no denying that in terms of their full season output. I I picked them last in the Big East last year. I did too. And I should not have picked a team to finish above uh, below Patrick Ewing. Yeah. But and I liked Tyler Kolek a lot, even – before last season, but man, that guy's so good. Yeah, the way he controls a basketball game is just very, very fun to watch. Like best passer in the country right now. Yeah, I, I would say so. I'm trying to think who else. But in Biggie's play last year, Kolek averaged 15 points, eight assists, 2.1 steals, 3.7 rebounds. Only 2.3 turnovers. Listen to these percentages. 51% from the field, 39% from three, 81% from the line in conference play. Yeah, and what's what's really interesting about Marquette is that Kolak is such a good playmaker that their lack of other guys that can create their own shot doesn't affect them at all because Kolak is that good at setting guys up. Now, the key difference from this year to last, from last year to this year, is the lack of an Olivier Maxis prosper. Mm-hmm. But there are, I mean, also Godaro is a talented big with athleticism. Chase Ross is, is a high-level athlete. You're not replacing Omax, but you can cobble together. You you can cobble together enough production where you don't need Omax to be a top fifteen team. Right. I think, like, I texted you a couple weeks ago that, like, there's a world that, like, where, like, Oso Iguodaro just does what Omax does. But that's probably unlikely. Like, especially offensively. Omax, like, Omax hit, like, 39 threes last year. Like, Oso didn't hit one. I think, I, I know he's not as big, but Chase Ross is probably, like, the... If there's like an NBA athlete there, it's probably him. Yeah, I mean, I think, 
I think Oso's an NBA athlete, but like what'll keep him what'll separate him from like Omax is Omax is a four. Like a legit a legit four. Oso's a five because of how he plays. He Oso does not do the things offensively that Omax no, does. He, didn't. he can do the things defensively, however. A little. But I also am really intrigued by Ben Gold, the guy who does Oso's also Oso's also a better passer though than Yeah, no, 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 no doubt. And but I'm like I was saying, I'm also really intrigued by Ben Gold, who was a freshman last year that didn't play all that much, but Hit 15 threes and only played like 19% of the minutes. Yeah, Ben so Gold can really shoot. I mean, Cam Jones was the leading. I mean, Cam Jones was the leading scorer on this team last year. Yeah. Um, and then there's Stevie Mitchell, David Joplin, Ultimate Clue guys. Um, there's this is a team built. This is this is a team that's built to win. And they're going to win. They're they're going to be super successful, mm-hmm. but. The odds that they're as good in the Big East. The odds that they go 17 and 3 again. If Marquette goes 17 and 3, I'd be shocked. They'll probably yeah, go. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that about most teams in the conference. They'll probably win 12, 13 conference games. Yeah. And like, that, that might be good enough to get like a three, a three seed, maybe even a two seed. Like, very possible. Wow, we are just like we all right, burying the bottom half of the conference right now. Yeah, it's good. So we'll spend a lot more time on the top half. Yeah. Let's talk Xavier. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Muskies. Um, this is a team with a lot of interesting question marks because mm-hmm. there's no Jerome Hunter and there's no Zach Fremantle. Yeah, and that's a problem. And there's no Jack Nungy, there's no Suli Bohm, there's no Colby Jones, there's no Adam Kunkel. That is the six leading scorers from last year's team. And they're all gone. Yeah. But we still like this team. Why is that, Jonathan? Yeah, I still, even without some of those guys, um, think that this team will be competitive, be around the middle of the pack to top half of the league. I think they brought in their guards are just super talented. I like, I like Davion McKnight, the Western Kentucky tra- transfer. I think he's a pretty dynamic guard. I think the freshman that they brought in Trey green, who's a little undersized is one of the more underrated freshmen in the country. I got a chance to see him play in person a couple years ago when he was at link Academy before he transferred uh, Des Claude is a guy that I think could really take a leap. And then while they do lose Hunter and Fremantle, like Abu's main will do some things that Xavier could really benefit from last year. All right. So he, he, he anchored, he anchored North Texas's defense. who was one of the best defensive teams in the country. And the name I want to talk about is Des Claude. This is mm-hmm. a 6'5-ish guy that can handle the ball. He can be a point guard. He's played point guard before. He might be a primary ball handler for this team, but he can also play the two, the three. And they're going to ask him to do a lot of things. I think Sean Miller really likes Des Claude as a playmaker, as a scorer, and just as a guy that's going to 
help this team in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I'm also really interested to see the type of minutes Cam Craft gets. It's a guy who really could sh- could shoot. Uh, when I watched him in high school, he can create his own shot. I think his defense lacks a little bit, but when you have a guy like Usman inside, you can get beat occasionally and be okay on the help side. Now, they, they they have a ton of freshmen, including a bunch of international kids. Lazar Djokovic is one of the keys here. What do you know about him? I actually don't know much. I remember you telling me to go watch him, and I never just really got around to it. Um, I know he was um, kind of a standout player at the FIBA World Cup this summer, yep. correct? Yeah, as 15-7-3. For Serbia mm-hmm. in the Steven U19s, double figures in six of the last set in, in the last six games, yeah. 55% from the field. Shot he 37% can, from three in this tournament. Yeah, he does a lot of things. Um, he's a typical stretch bit, uh, stretch four type guy. Mm-hmm. He can play make a little bit, good rebounder. Um, the questions though, I mean, he might not be, um, I mean, he, he, he's 6'10", he's like 230 pounds as well, but he might not be ready physically because he's never played against the American body types um, that he's going to face in the Big East. He's, he's never faced an Eric Dixon. He's never faced a Joel Soriano. Um, he's never faced – obviously, he's going to play more of the four than the five, but like he's never – He's never played uh, played against and, an Oso. I mean, he's he's played he's played against men. Mm-hmm. But he's never played against these types of men. Yeah. I mean, like a Bryce Hopkins type is just I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do because I th- I think he's gonna be really good. I think he's gonna be um an impact performer as a freshman. Trey Green, if he gets his run, is will be as well. Dalen Swain is a fun is a super fun freshman to watch as well. Very athletic. Um Columbus. Um, probably not this year for Dalen Swain, though. Yeah, I would imagine so. Reed Ducharme, I'm not the biggest fan of. I think he's and okay. then um, I don't even think we've mentioned Quincy Oliveri yet. Yeah, Quincy Oliveri is another guard that comes in uh, from Rice. I mean, he can play. He yeah, does a he lot did. of things. He didn't play at a low level. He can score the basketball. Conference USA. Second team last season. Yeah, and I think we all think Quincy Oliveri brings a lot to the table. How do you think they're going to line up? Okay. Um, McKnight, Oliveri, Claude. They, like, they have to play somewhat small. I don't think they really have to I think my only issue here is that there's so much ball handling. There might be too much ball. Yeah. Um, like, they don't – like, Claude can play off ball, but we haven't really – but I think they like him on ball. The other two guys are primarily on ball. Are Hunter or Fremantle coming back at all? No. Hunter, like, I think the door is open. Fremantle's not. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I'd probably – like – Djokovic is going to play the four. For, sh- for sure, McKnight – um, for sure, Claude, and for sure, Usman. I think the other two spots are where it's kind of up for grabs. I would I imagine think, it's 
maybe Oliveri probably, and then maybe Cam Craft or it's either. I mean, we could see Cam Craft. Like, I mean, he he's definitely more of an off-ball type than. Maybe, I, I think Djokovic gets run. Maybe Xavier just tries to put a ton of scorers on the floor and outscore everyone, and out, outscore everyone, and ho- hope that Usman prevents a lot at the rim. All right, let's move on. Six more to go, and we have about forty minutes to do it. So that was, March was hectic, but this was one of the things that defined March. It did not define April. They did not define May, and they will not define November through March. Yeah. But they could define it in the future. I mean, I think Ed Cooley is unbelievable, but this team went 7-25 and last year, and like... I think they brought in some transfers that I like, but like they're still really lacking compared to the top of the league. Yeah, I think there's just not a lot of talent here compared to the the rest of the league. I mean, this would this is this is a top one hundred team. <laughs> yeah, for me that for me they are. I mean, Jaden Epps is a high major point guard. We yeah, think he just like wasn't. Super efficient last year. But we think he's a high major point guard. Yeah. I liked him a solid amount coming out. No, that like they have high major players. They just don't have top Good. of like big east high major players. Um it's it's a just it's a fine team. I, I like Ish Masood, but like he works with a team like Kansas State, not a team like Georgetown. Um, yeah, Masood, wondering what his role is going to be. What do you think his role is going to be? Like, last year, Kansas State just kind of used him as, like, a 3 a three like and a D flex. guy. Like a flex, really. Yeah. I, I just, like, if, like, Ish Masood's probably one of the, oh, God, three or four best scorers on this team. I mean, and we like, think, we, what, do you, what do we think of Jay Heath as a whole? I mean, twelve a game last year, thirty-seven from three, scored yeah. scored at every level. He's probably their leading scorer. Yeah, I would guess. But like, and like, he's somewhat efficient. Like, I mean, thirty-seven from three. Yeah. On on high volume, and I will say he's not the scorer Primo Spears was. No, and Primo is a much better score. I don't think he's the scorer that Brandon Murray is either. Different Murray's more different, like a different type of player, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I mean, see what you mean. I think there's young talent on this team in Epps, in Rowan Brum, Brumbaugh, Fielder, uh, McKenna. Like those four guys are gonna be pieces for the future. And Epps is also a piece for right now. But the three, the three freshmen won't get a ton of run. I don't have Fielder ranked. I realize I need to rank him because I actually have seen him play and like him. Don Trent's style. I don't think, he will, like, I don't think he's like 
Big East ready right now, but he, he will be good for them. Who? Fielder. Yeah, yeah. Dontrez Styles is fine. I thought he was going to break out at UNC, and he never did. But shout out, shout out my Mac guy, Supreme Cook. We know. That's the thing, though. I watched a ton of Supreme last year at Fairfield. I never thought this is a high major big man. I mean, he's a good mid-major big man. He's all-conference type guy. Um, could get, could really get the boards. Was was pretty strong and physical as a post guy for Fairfield. Thirteen and eight, fifty-four mm-hmm. percent for the field. But like, he's six nine two thirty as a five. And that's like not, and he's not exceptionally strong. He's strong, but he's not exceptionally strong. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything outside the paint, even though I was told last year that he was shooting 15 footers. <laughs> not. Um, he's a fine rim protector. Mido was their best. Mido was a better rim protector, though, for Fairfield. Um, he, he's not a high major player. It's. He's a high major backup. That's what he is. And they're going to have him start. Unless Ryan Matumbo, for some reason, becomes a guy. I mean, listen. like, And I and I like Supreme Cook. I think he's a great – I think he's very talented. And I think he's he's he probably would have been a player of the year candidate in the MAC. And that's the thing, though. The MAC is a different physical animal from the Big East. Ed Cooley, Ed Cooley has done – more with like like teams I've considered worse than this. What at least at least which, going into a season? Which ones? I mean, I thought they were going to be pretty dreadful in twenty one, and or twenty one twenty two. I guess. I mean, I didn't think they'd be great. Like, but... where did you like? Where did you have that team preseason? Twenty one twenty two. Because this like was like a little. This was like before you and I like knew each other. I I didn't really do a top one hundred. I didn't do a top one hundred that year. I didn't either, but like I still had expectations for teams. Like I I had my expectation. Like, I thought they would be middle of the pack biggies, like what okay. they'd always. I been. think I thought I thought they were going to be t- a little towards the bottom. But like the other thing about Ed Cooley is that I feel like a lot of his success gets a little exaggerated. He's an awesome coach, excellent coach, but a lot of his success gets exaggerated. His highest, his his best team was 27th in Ken Palm at Providence. Mm-hmm. He finished outside the top 50 one, two, three, four, five, six times. And he never finished inside the top 25. He made the Sweet 16 once, made the tournament a bunch. Good for him, but it they were never they they were consistently good. They were, and that's the thing that you say that that was the whole argument for him taking the Georgetown job. Oh, it's a it's a much higher ceiling as a program. That's mm-hmm. what people were saying. Or is it an Ed Cooley thing? Probably like, one before he is as a coach. I mean. I'm posing this as an open question for Ed Cooley to answer over the course of the next five years. Yeah. I think he's a great coach. Culture building? Culture building? It's like Jerome Tang is the number one culture builder in the country. 
Kelvin Sampson up there as well. Ed Cooley's top five, top 10 in that, I would say. But after the 2022 season, I had Ed Cooley, I think, around like the 18th, 19th best coach in the country. He's, he's probably around 25-ish. Like, I, I moved him down a couple spots, but like, th- there was really like no reason for, for him to be higher than like 15 after that year. But I, and, but I still think like, he hasn't exactly dodged the allegations that he's just a low ceiling head coach. Yeah. And his work in the transfer portal this year was significantly worse than it was last year with better resources. And that's like, it's not concerning because it's year one. I will give him time, but it's fascinating. It's also just like, we're in an era of college athletics right now that you don't have to like tear it down to build it back up again at a program. Like, do you, you think can, you do can you fix think it that, right away? Do you think that Ed Cooley leaving Providence for Georgetown the way that he did kind of made players think less of him around the country? I don't think so, but I don't think so, but I'm open to all interpretations of Ed Cooley. I didn't really have a problem with the way he left Providence. I didn't either. I just thought that like a lot of people did. Like I I still think it's I still think it's a little bit it's it's not like it's a little disrespectful to go to a conference rival like that, but I mean Providence just get your money up, bro. <laughs> that's that's what it is really. Like and then the the divine providence comment I thought was a little much. Yeah, like I don't really have many problems with coaches leaving unless they're like and it's the same thing with players. I don't really have many problems with these situations unless you're like legitimately like talking shit about like something that clearly isn't like the case. The optics of the situation were not good because it felt like everybody knew he was going to Georgetown weeks before it happened, and the players and the team kind of checked out. That's the that's the thing. Now, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna do fine at Georgetown. I don't. I'm, I'm not confident saying that he's gonna make them a Big East contender. Was how, how consistently was Providence a Big East contender? Okay, here's the thing. Like the way the Big East is right now, there's only room for so many teams to be good. And we have to talk about other ones. So. Five oh, well, teams. Yes, Georgetown has undeniably more resources than Providence. Yes. Five teams to go. It's time to talk. Butler. I think Butler's fascinating. Yeah, I do too. Um, DJ Davis, one of the best shooters in the country. Yeah, you have talked about him a ton this last Yes. A ton. I tweeted about him twice. <laughs> twice in, in offseason for a player that like very like very few think about. Like that's that's a ton. Okay. What other players have I talked about a ton? I mean, we talk about Tame and Lipsy pretty much every day. <laughs> we'll get into that tomorrow night with Ethan. Um let me pick. 
Who else have you talked about a lot this summer? Oh, oh, Kalel Ware. <laughs> Not in the same way, though. And we'll get into that tomorrow with Ant Wright. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others. Who who do you feel like you've talked about a lot this I'm summer? I'm trying to think. Um, for for me, by the way, I don't know if I've talked about it, but I I I've always been a big Jared Bynum guy. Yeah, I saw. Like, I hate him, but like I think he's really good. For me, this is just completely off topic. I'd I'd say this summer I've talked about Josh Hubbard more than the average human being. I, I think I would agree with that, and we'll um, get into that tomorrow night with Will Warren, Tobey. Okay, yeah, we'll also get into that with Will Warren. All right, um, let's, let's, do, let's do this. Are there any, like... All right, yeah, let, let, let's, let's do this Butler talk. Jalen Thomas, like, this is a solid player. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, like, transfer... Was it Georgia State? Um didn't have like the most eye popping numbers there but like i think he's playable for them yeah i mean solid piece like, obviously like he was with them last year like he, this isn't like a transfer that happened this season but yeah but like you look at what they lose mm-hmm. like jaden taylor is gone Seamus lacocious is gone manny bates is gone chuck harris is gone eric hunter is gone and then Ali Ali is gone. Miles Tate is gone. I don't think these are like necessarily like bad things though. Yeah, they like they're this wasn't a great team last year. And I think this is I think there's better talent this year than last. I, I do think Alexander they got, I do think a, they got better. What? I do think they got better. Josh Alexander is a proven Big East point guard. Mm-hmm. DJ Davis, one of the best shooters in the country. Pierre Brooks and Jamil Telfort. What they'll bring, we're not, we're not like a hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to, a lot to glean about them. Telford obviously coming in from Northeastern. Um, this is a guy that was really, really good um, for them last year, and he's. I'm I'm really intrigued by Andre Screen. Yeah, Andre Screen from Bucknell. Um, he can defend and. He's yeah. big. He's 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 gigantic. First seven footer in Bucknell basketball history. And he's 7'1, 251. Now Bucknell had a bunch of big men last year that could play. Um they had um they had Alex Timmerman, um, who played a lot as well, six foot nine, two seventy. Um, and they 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 were so it wasn't just Andre Screen as the only big guy there and he can do a bunch of things for them. He's going to be physical. We know that. And like, Manny wasn't always the most healthy last year, either. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like I was watching NC State Manny Bates. Yeah. What do you think of Pierre Brooks? Oh man, um, interested to see him in a bigger role. I guess is how I would put it. I don't like. Like, listen, like, I don't think Pierre Brooks is a stud or anything like that, but I think he can be like a serviceable, like, six man in the Big East. 
Yeah. Um, I don't and, know what their plans are for how they're going to play this team. Like, they they could go three guards. They, they could go two guards and Brooks. They could go three guards and, and Brooks. Who, who knows? And I think Finley Bizjack is a freshman that's going to make an impact for them. Yeah, you've told me. Can you tell me a little bit more about him? You've mentioned his name. To I me. mean, he does a bunch of things. He can get to the basket, finish in a bunch of ways. He can shoot. Um, he's a good. He's a good guard. Um, let's let's move forward and talk about another team. Who are we going to get to next? It is the Friars of Providence. All right. Kim English comes in, new coach, placing Ed Cooley, obviously. Do you think Providence is better than they were last year? I think they're about as good. Yeah. Like, they might, like, honestly, they're probably a little more. Probably a little more talented, but mm-hmm. the coaching is a question mark. Right. That's that. that like, I, I think you hit it pretty much on the head there. Like, they are undoubtedly a better team in terms of basketball players this season, but I think what the, what they make up for with personnel, they kind of lack in what they've had the past couple of years, which is coaching. Yeah, and this year the personnel is great. I think Bryce Hopkins is a Big East Player of the Year contender. Devin Carter mm-hmm. is one of the best defenders in the conference. Um, Josh Aduro, we know what he brings uh, to the table. Played for Kim English at Mason. Um, and then Jaden Pierre is back. Dick Gaines comes in. Uh, Darby Duell is one of the best freshmen in the country. Super underrated, very, very long, can get to the rim, can shoot, can do a lot of things. Um, just going to be a great uh, guard slash wing piece for them. Mm-hmm. Very ready um, to match up with anyone. Um, I'm really excited to see him guarding Stefan Castle or whoever it is that he ends up guarding for UConn. I think you said something to me earlier in the offseason how you thought like Josh Odero compliments Bryce Hopkins better than like Ed Croswell did. Ed Cro- by the way, I think something that we people didn't talk about last year was that Ed Croswell was literally maybe even better than Nate Watson was the year before. Like Nate Watson was the most was was freaking overrated as heck. You think like, so? Wasn't Jared Roden levels, but the guy was overrated. Jared Roden levels. <laughs> Ed Croswell was just as good last year as Nate Watson was two years ago. It's Jared, just Jared, Jared, Jared Bynum. It's just Jared Bynum wasn't as good. Yeah, no, that's very true. Jared Roden, by the way, is going to be like the source of discussions between us for like years. Jordan, uh, J- Jared Roden, Jalen Wilson, Taman Lipsy, Caleb Grill. Is that the 
is that the Mount Rushmore of brackets, bubbles, and bit stealers? I think, yeah, it probably is. I think we need to find like, we need to find an, who the most overrated star is in the country this year before everyone else does. We'll get into that eventually. Um, so, what else about this Providence team do you like? I'm really interested to see their guard play because, you know, they bring in Corey Floyd off from UConn. They bring in. They, he came um, in last year. Or sorry, yeah, he came in last year, and then um, Pierre was a freshman last year that didn't get too much run because Bynum was still there. Obviously, I'm really interested to see their guard play. I think that is what is going to separate them. That and coaching is what is going to separate them from a middle-of-the-pack to top-of-the-pack Big East team. Like, we know what we're getting with Hopkins. We know what we're getting with Josh Oduro. We know what we're getting with Devin Carter. I think a legitimate point guard and off-ball wings, um, specifically, like, off-ball shooters, are going to be my question marks about this team throughout the year. I also I don't think they're very deep. Like Gaines, Pierre, Dual, Oduro, Floyd, Carter, Hopkins. That's seven. And like after those seven, how many guys do they have that you feel comfortable can like step in and give them good minutes and and do you even do you even feel comfortable that like Pierre and Floyd can do that because I'm not sure I do I like all right um Justin Fernandez was a guy that followed Kim English from George Mason to probably yes overall though I mean I want talk more about Bryce Hopkins we need we we, we haven't really talked a lot about him I mean, you and I had a pretty lengthy discussion about him the other day. No, no, no. I'm saying we did, but, like, we haven't talked about him on, on... – I know, I know. Bryce Hopkins is a guy that was the runner-up for Big East Player of the Year last year. He's a six seven forward that does a lot of work from about, like, the 12 to 15-foot range. Um, he's pretty strong, pretty athletic. They just couldn't find a spot for him at Kentucky. And, of course, he goes to Providence – last year blossoms into one of the better players in not just the conference, but the country. He's a legitimate All-American contender. I think there's even maybe some room for more, more growth if his range expands. All right. We, we're we running out of time here, so we got to get to the rest of these teams. Mm-hmm. And we will talk about Shaheen Holland with Honestly, I'm, I'm very disappointed in what Shaheen Holloway has at his disposal this year. It is, this team is less talented than last year's, and last year's wasn't talented. I haven't fully given up. Yeah. No, I'm not giving up. I'm just saying I'm disappointed. But, I mean, how do you, how, how do you go and do another season with Kadari Richmond as your best player again? Do, who, do you think Kadari Richmond is this team's best player? Yeah. I mean, 
I, I think I, I kind of think I agree, and that's it's a problem. The only the only other argument I think is Almir Dawes. Yeah, Dawes is definitely an argument. Well, like they lost, um, they lost Tyree Samuel, who I liked. They they lost Trey Jackson, who not super high on, but he was he was depth piece. He could step out and shoot a little bit. Uh, they lost Indefo, who I thought was one of the best defensive players in the country last year. And he was their best player. Nadefo was their best player last season. Yeah, I, at least. Yeah, I'll retract my statement that Richmond was their best player last year. And You thought he was going to be really good, and I was not high on him. Dude, I like almost picked him to win Biggie's Player of the Year. I, I remember having to talk you out of that. I thankfully, thankfully listened to you. Yeah. Right. Um, overall, though, we look at what these guys can bring to the table. Um, they'll play tough defense. Hmm. They'll they're they are long. Dylan Adewusu is an interesting piece that they bring in. Um, Jaquan Harris redshirted um, should be uh, something to watch. And get Jaden Bediaco coming in. Um, he played at Santa Clara last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, four years at Santa Clara for Jaden Bediaco, and was never like tr- was never uh, was never like a major major player for them. So, not sure how he translates. I mean, he's got size. But are they gonna? What are they? I mean, how are they gonna ask him to operate? They, I mean, they lost a ton of toughness when they lost Casey Nadefo, when they lost um, Tyree Samuel. It's not. It's it's. I mean, they'll still be tough. I have. I mean, Femiota Cali was another one of their best players last year, and yeah. he he's now at, he's now at New Mexico State. Like they're losing they're losing guys that would start to New Mexico State. Two time, two time transfers. They need a waiver to play at New Mexico State. Yeah, like it's it's, it's not great. I, I still have... think I'm giving I'm gonna give Shaheen Holloway time. Yeah, because I know how, because I know what he can do. I have with... Butler, Georgetown, and Seton Hall all within like six spots of each other in my top hundred. The the feeling around Seton Hall is significantly worse than the feeling around Butler and Georgetown. Yeah. Um, let's move on and talk about either Creighton or DePaul. All right, let's talk Creighton. This is who I think is the top team in this conference. Do you agree? Second for me. All right, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later, but I love what Creighton has to offer this year. I think they return so much of their star power in Trey Alexander. Oh, Trey Alexander is another guy that I've talked about a lot this offseason. Yeah. Trey Alexander, lot- future lottery pick Trey Alexander. Um. 
Baylor Shireman, who is one of the most electrifying players in college basketball. Ryan Kalkbrenner, who is arguably the best defender in the country. Um, Mason Miller, who was a, who was a good freshman last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francisco Farabello, who can bring some stuff to the table, and not and then they bring in a bunch of really really great transfers. Stephen Ashworth. I've said it with a bunch of guys today, but he's one of the best shooters in the country. Yeah. At Utah State for Ryan Odom, he shot the crap out of the ball, was yeah. a very good point guard. He's a point guard on a team that was 28th in Ken Palm. And like this is like this is a guy that he was he was the floor general. He was the guy that had the 22nd highest offensive rating in the country for the team that was the 16th best offense in college basketball last year. Yeah, I was actually Mizzou played Utah State in the first round last year, and I was extremely surprised by how much they were able to really limit him in that game. And I thought it was part of the reason they won. Like I've watched a lot of Stephen Ashworth last last season, and I mean, based on the way Mizzou played, like I didn't really think they were going to have an answer for him, and they held him to twelve points and two of ten from three. I thought, I think. That was an extreme outlier game, and a lot of the fans here were, like, kind of not used to, like, seeing like, – like, I was not used to seeing that, like, obviously people here, like, who were seeing him for the first time in the tournament were expecting more. But, I mean, this is a guy that averaged 16 a game, four and a half assists in, like you said, one of the best shooters in the country. He shot 43% last year at – like extremely high volume. Yeah, um, I think we all, we, I think we, we all think Stephen Ashworth is getting. We both think Stephen Ashworth is really underrated. This is a mm-hmm. guy that not a lot of people talk about as one of the best point guards in the country, even though he was one of them last year, and he's going to be again this year. They also bring in Jonathan Lawson, uh, who played at Memphis last year. He didn't get, he didn't have the biggest role, but. Um, he showed flashes as a freshman. He shot 40% from three. He's athletic at 6'6", 190. He can do a lot of things for them. Um, and then they also, and he, he can, can't do, he's not quite Kaluma, but like he can do some of the things that Kaluma did. Mm-hmm. He's the same type of athlete as Kaluma was. Do you, um, you, do you think it's possible that Creighton plays Ashworth off ball and Trey Alexander plays the point? No. Maybe. Okay. I, don't, I wouldn't say. Because I do think Trey Alexander is at his best when he is has the ball in his hands and can attack downhill. So, yeah. I, I just... I... I I tend to lean towards no with that too, just because of how good of a playmaker Ashworth is. But I do think it's something like getting the ball in Trey Alexander's hands is something that Creighton's going to look to do a lot. Um, All right. Uh, Another guy I want to talk about real quick is Isaac Trout, who was a redshirt freshman at Virginia last, last year. Uh, Tony Bennett chose to sit him. I didn't really understand why. Like, this was 
a top 25 kid in the country for me coming in to college. I saw him play live at Mizzou Arena when Grand Island, his high school, came here to play the Norm Stewart Classic. Trout against a matchup actually against Aiden Shaw, who's at Mizzou right now, uh, absolutely destroyed him. Um, was dominating with the post, was limiting him offensively. He hit a shot actually on a move on a on on the move off a screen where he caught it like coming to his right on the left wing and was like fading kind of towards the catch. And it, it was like pr- a pretty ridiculous shot for a guy that was 6'10". I expect Isaac Trout to be a starter for this team. I think a year of development and a year of getting stronger uh, could help him a lot. And I think this is one of the more underrated kids in the portal last year and absolutely a good take by Greg McDermott and that staff. You mentioned – Mason Miller and uh, Francisco Farabellas too. I was pretty impressed last year with Mason Miller as uh, a freshman. I think he, his role this year probably going to be bigger than it was last year. Extremely, very dangerous shooter. Francisco Farabella is kind of the same way, although he had a bad shooting year last year, only shot it at 30%. But Mason Miller, a guy that played 21% of, of possible minutes last year and shot 37% from three. Yeah, I, 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 think, look, I look at Isaac Trout, Mason Miller mm-hmm. as guys that can really make an impact for this team in multiple ways. I think uh, Trout and between Trout and Lawson, one of those guys will get the fifth starting spot next to Ashworth, Alexander, Kalkbrenner, and Shireman. And I don't know which one it'll be. That'll but... be a that'll be really interesting and and really telling about the way Creighton wants to play. And I think I think that McDermott won't be afraid to change it up. Yeah, no, like that's one of the things I've always liked about Greg McDermott. He's a pretty adaptable coach, one of the best in-game coaches in the country, in my opinion. I think he runs a lot of great, great stuff to free up shooters and get playmakers open. And I think the way he uses Kalkbrenner too is 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 pretty good. I mean, we had some concerns about like how much better he got last year, but like. Ryan Kalkbrenner with like essentially no improvement. It's still one of the best players in the country. Yeah. Um, Ryan Kalkbrenner is tremendous. He does so much for them defensively. He is. Do you remember two summers ago, you were watching Creighton, I think, and like. I sent, a, a I sent you a message. About you were watching Kalkbrenner. a Creighton UConn game, and like UConn just like refused to step foot in the paint on off ball screens. Yep. It was. I, I remember I sent you that message. Mm-hmm. I, I sent you and I sent you a message in May last year of a video that I took at the Big East Championship game. Yeah. That was kind of like the start and that was kind of like the start of the turn for this Creighton program. Like it's it's pretty impressive that like Greg McDermott and his staff in a rebuild year at a school like Creighton still managed to get, I think a nine seed in the NCAA tournament and nearly knocked off Kansas without two of the three best players. Like I, I, that's pretty remarkable. And it says a lot about what this Creighton program has turned into. I mean, if you like consistently one of the most underrated programs in the country, 
Um, yeah, um, Creighton has been one of the top programs for, for a while. We have one more one more team to talk about before we get into the rest of before we get into like the summary. Yeah, spin the wheel for the sake of it. Tony Stubblefield time. Let's talk. Let's talk about DePaul. Where do you want to start here? I want you to start. Okay, I'll start. I think Chico Carter is a good player. The guy who could really hit shots. Really good three-point shooter. I just... I don't think this team got any better. What Like, whatsoever. Like, I actually think they got worse. Like, I thought... I wasn't a huge fan of the Stubblefield hire when they made it. And, like, Ch- Chicago's not really a high major market anymore. So, like, DePaul can't just, like, pick players from their own backyard and win in the Big East. Not that they pick players from their own backyard anyway. They never do, it seems like. But, like, this was a team last year. That went ten and twenty-three. Umoja Gibson, despite um, despite how inefic- like he was actually pretty efficient for them. Nationally ranked in both effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage, shot forty-one percent from three, ninety-eighth in assists rate. Like this is a guy that I picked. I actually, like, I can't remember if I picked him to win Big East Player of the Year last year or Big East All-First Team. He was definitely All-First Team for me. And I don't think he made All-First Team, but he had a really good year. And I just, losing him is going to really hurt. And it's not a guy that I thought they really replaced well. They they didn't. They really didn't replace him. And I thought, I thought Caleb Murphy... Um was going to have a better season for them last year than he did. It was it was not great. Um, Jalen Terry was a pretty high recruit. Maybe this is the year he breaks out. Yeah, um, I just this is not this is not a great team. Whatsoever. Who was the like really high four star that they got like two like two years ago? Two. What do you, what do you what? Oh, there was a four star that they got in the last couple of years that was supposed to be like. The like, God, program. Why I mean, they got Zion Cruz. That's who I'm thinking of. That's who wow. I'm thinking of. All right, so we got a couple minutes left, and we're just gonna go over some honors predictions for this for this conference. Mm-hmm. All right, who is your give me a sleeper in the Big East? For freshman of the year. Would you consider Trey Green a sleeper? Okay, you can go with that. Um, yeah, I'd I, I'd go Trey Green. I think he's one of the more underrated freshmen in the country. Like Xavier's loaded with guards, so like I'm not sure how much run he'll get because I think he'll probably struggle defensively. But the dude's a great playmaker. He's great in transition. He can shoot. I, I think. 
he'll develop into a really good player if he stays at Xavier. My two sleepers, my two like sleepers for this, Lazard Djokovic mm-hmm. and Finley Bizjack. Who is your pick for Biggie's freshman of the year, though? Stefan Castle. I, as well, have Stefan Castle. I think he should start right away for UConn. Um, can play both on and off ball. So, like, if, if they want, want Newton to handle the ball, which I'm guessing they'll probably want him to do, Castle will be just fine. I think there's a lot of guys, a lot of freshmen of the Big East who are good but probably won't play the biggest of roles right away. All right. And that, that might be a theme throughout the country this year just based on the class. What do you want to go to next? Defensive player of the year? Um, no, I want to talk about some all-conference sleepers that you may have. Who is the most out-there guy that you can think of where you can make a coherent argument for him to make an all-conference team? Most out-there guy that I can think of to make an all-conference team? That's that's an interesting question. Um, Like... How surprised would you be if Jaden Epps made an all-conference team? All right. That's, I mean, a little surprised, but I can't. Not, not too surprised, though. I'm trying, I'm trying to look for a better one. He could he could do it. Um, For me, I think I would say Chase Ross. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't think Chase Ross. Um, yeah, so then we are going to move on. Oh, um, I, like, I think like Isaac Trout too. All right. We got to get, we got to get this over quickly. Defensive player of the year. Who is your sleeper for defensive player of the year? Like super sleeper. My super sleeper for defensive player of the year. Yep. Give me one. Um, uh, I'll go, um. I'll go Justin Moore. I will go with I don't know. Is it is it cheating to say Hassan Diara? <laughs> no. He won't, he won't get the minutes, but like Right. Alright, and we I have I have Klingon. Do you have Cockbrenner? I have Klinger, or excuse me, Klingon. All right, and who's your who? Who is the most out there out there case for a player of the year? Um, I don't think we're gonna do this for the rest of the conferences. Let's just let's just, who's your player of the year? Also Donovan Klingon. Yeah, me too. Um, and who do you have winning the league? Uh the Villanova Wildcats. And I have Creighton. All right. Who's your coach of the year? I don't do coach of the year preseason. Oh, you don't? I, I think I think I think coach of the year is all about like who overachieves the most. Not necessarily who overachieves the most, but like you can't you can't really it, it it's like there's a a lot of it is based off of that a little bit, so you kind of can't really do that. All right, anyway. 
Thank you so much for joining us on Practice Bubbles and Bits Big East Conference Preview. We're still trying to iron out exactly what we're going to do next because we just had we had some stuff come up very recently with our other previews that we're, we might have to move some stuff around. But we'll be back with more tonight. We definitely will have um, Tristan Freeman for ACC at 9 o'clock.